Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. So I heard that you're the king of all media to this week, Scott. I mean, what is going on? There was another more, big more kiss More like ass a court piece. jester. No, but seriously, there's yeah. another big piece about how wonderful you are. And I'm like a sidekick. I'm like, I've been relegated to sidekick lesbian straight man status, which is my favorite. I'm moving on, Kara. <laughs> I'm moving right on. I'm You're Gosh, Dayton Hudson. Hudson. I'm Target. I have oh. outgrown you. <laughs> okay. I have outgrown you. See you later. Don't let the door hit your way. As my dad said to my mom, his second wife in 1973, (laughs) I've outgrown you. All right. Okay. Go ahead. I've outgrown you. I'm moving on to number three. Let's see how that works out for you, sir. By the way, thanks for the nice words. You said some nice things about me. I appreciate that. I did. I did. It was was good. And then I like... Can I... Can I... So seriously, can I be honest? My first reaction is... As a narcissist, wow, it's about me. This is awesome. I hope everyone I know <laughs> from high school sees it. Yeah. And then, you know what? I start, I've actually become, and I'm sincere about this, a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm like, I, this mm. is so clear how this ends. I'm just going to fall so fucking hard. Yeah. Oh, my probably. God. Probably. No, maybe not. Just, I, no, I don't think so. As long as we keep no, producing great content, no. Scott, which is entirely yeah, within your Great ability. Content. I think what the issue is you have a love-hate relationship. You love the attention and you also hate it. And so I it's do. difficult. And it, But you love it. So don't like to deny that you love it is hard. Uh, no, you often I, say I, I acknowledge. Yeah. I acknowledge the tension. I don't like people, but I'm desperate for their affirmation. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's mm-hmm. it, that's my that's my demon. I'm so glad we started off talking about me because there's nothing yes. going on in the news. <laughs> no, there's, there's so much. Going on in the news. So let's go through it. There's so much going oh, on. Yeah, Speaking right. of of things that are happening, yeah. Twitter is testing a new audio feature called Twitter Voice. I have access to it. I made it. I made a Twitter Voice a choice. A choice. Do we call it a choice that allows certain users to yeah. share 140 second uh, audio, which is very long. FYI, um, clips in the tweet. Uh, yeah. Twitter's move to get into the audio podcasting. Uh, craze. I, I I did one saying I'm thanks for giving Donald Trump this tool now. Um, uh, it's an mm-hmm. interesting thing. They haven't done a lot of innovative things, Twitter. So that was interesting. I don't know if you you have the access to it, like the important people on Twitter do. But me and Cardi B and people like that. Hey, but, I got to use the Apple credit card early, <laughs> just because I know <laughs> you. I called them. Yes. Just, and also, people people do. Do you get? I get people send a shit all the time. But anyways, Twitter. Um, 
I it's heard a little innovative. Product, it's a little innovative. It's innovative. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's innovative. Innovative-ish. I heard it was supposed to take twelve uh, twelve months, but it took twenty four because they have a part time CEO. But anyways, no. they. Uh-huh. Um, See what I did there? See what I did yeah, there? Yeah, I see what you did. But I uh, wonder what you think I, about like, it. Would, do you think it's a good thing? I, th- I thought it was kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun if people don't go to two minutes. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I think that this times 50 is where Twitter would be if it had a full-time CEO and a management team that wasn't a revolving door. Twitter has an outstanding platform. It commands a much bigger space than it occupies or occupies a bigger space than it commands. Their innovation has been absolutely anemic. Absolutely yep. anemic. Agreed. And this is a great idea. And there should be about a dozen. There should be one of these every two weeks. Yeah, um, I agree. It was like, yeah, at first, gonna, it was like oh, delightful. Try. It was like, oh, delightful. And you wonder where it's going to go. I was trying to think because I, I felt like two and a half minutes is a long time and that people won't be listening to them. But then I was trying to think of what we could do with it, like what things you and I could do, what we could put up, put parts of our show. Like it's it's a marketing opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a fun opportunity. Comics, for example. Uh, just all kinds mm-hmm. of, I thought of all kinds of things. And then I thought of all kinds of horrible things. And I did my first twice was about Donald Trump getting a hold of this being crazy and saying crazy things, you know, to, directly to people. Yeah, but he, everyone has their medium. And one of the, yeah. w- one of the things I tell my kids when I say kids, students to do is to figure out what is your medium and also to avoid what mediums you're bad in. Donald Trump is not an eloquent person. And when you uh, yes, hear him in true. audio, he just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, which is why Sarah Cooper very good on so Twitter. Successful. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah, percent. hundred percent. You see how bad he is. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, what it comes right down to is, what they decide to do with the algorithm. For a while, Twitter and Facebook were were very much promoting video, but you, 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 an individual I work with who's smarter than me about this stuff says, do these videos for Twitter, but make sure they're less than two minutes and 20 seconds because the algorithm mm-hmm. doesn't like long form video, like short form. So mm-hmm. it's really up to Twitter. Twitter can promote the heck out of these this product if they want. It's all about what the algorithm decides is innovative or isn't innovative. I was thinking it should be longer. Why couldn't we put the whole podcast up there? Anyway, it's just, it was just sort of like I got all kinds of ideas in the middle of the night last night, like what we could do with it um, and what could be fun. It's, you know, like t- the same thing with TikTok. I've been really exploring TikTok. Anyway, I thought it was good for Twitter. You're right. They should do one of these a week. You're right, 100%. Um, in a more serious topic, these issues continue around uh, – uh, racism and problems with diversity. Pinterest earlier this week, two black women who held leadership roles on the company's policy team, Effie Ozama and Erica Shimizu Banks, said they experienced racial discrimination, unequal pay, and a hostile work culture. Pinterest originally found no wrongdoing by the company when they complained, but later said it will commit to a non-white board member by the end of the year. It seems, I, don't, I just, that's not really how it... I just, I don't even understand that as a response, although that's great. Uh, then PepsiCo, another big brand, they, suns- they, they sunsetted a racial stereotype, uh, racist uh, stereotype, this time from PepsiCo, who will be retiring Aunt Jemima. I, I didn't even know mm-hmm. Aunt Jemima was still around. I didn't from the maple syrup around. brand. Uh, <laughs> we'll have Beth Ford, CEO of Land O'Lakes, on the show next week to discuss why the company removed their branding of a Native American woman on their label back in February, mm. which she did just on her own as a CEO and and uh, took a lot of guff. But then, it, you know, people got used to it. And the land and the lakes are still there, as someone said on Twitter. So, you know, this, this is just rolling through all kinds of companies and everything else. And as everybody yeah. has their moment of reckoning, where do you, what we, what do you think about them doing this? I think Uncle Ben's is another one, uh, which is another 
Yeah. I didn't know it still existed. Um, so what do you do? What do you, what, if you're a company, you just move in here and get them done. My thing is, why didn't they do it before when it was the right thing to do, like Beth right. Ford did at Land O'Lakes? Uh, long time coming, lo- very late. What do you, what, how do you look at these moves by these companies? It's really, I think there's so many interesting uh, things taking place. And that is typically crises are a function of anger or upset by your, your customer base. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get, say, uh, you know, your supply chain is unethical. Sure. There are people making less than minimum wage in Vietnam. And then you hire Edelman and you get Wyden Kennedy to come up with a communications plan and you right. you address it. And it's about communications to the external stakeholders. What's interesting about this so far is it's not the as much the external stakeholders getting very angry, but your internal stakeholders, specifically your employees. Mm-hmm. So it's not about running a 60-second spot during the Mass Singer. It's about... Okay, we have to make we have to, and this is good. We have to affect uh, you know actual change, and we have to communicate that internally. I also think just as just as with the brand age, you could you could communicate and come up with a tangible uh, tangible association. Some people would just call it bullshit and wrap it around a mediocre product. Mm-hmm. Companies are used to coming up with the right themes, saying Black Lives Matter on serif font on a well-produced black square on Instagram and thinking that'll work. And now with the introduction of Google such that people no longer had to defer to the brand but actually found out what that hotel was like, how good that car was or wasn't, actions are speaking louder than words here. And that is people want actual actions. And I think there is productive things taking place. 600 black managers signed an open letter to the management of WPP about what were specific changes that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And WPP is committed to it. I would argue that is actual change. The other thing that's sort of interesting here, and I, I now see COVID-19 as a metaphor for everything, is that initially COVID-19 struck what we would call the most progressive areas, not because they're progressive, mm-hmm. but because there were cities they're, that had cities a lot of interaction populated, populated. with international uh, destinations where the, the virus originated. They were dense. And now it's spreading to more conservative rural states. And what's interesting about this um, this controversy or this issue is that it seems to be hitting companies I would describe loosely as pretty progressive because mm-hmm. the people within the company are progressive and they're outraged and they're upset and they want to see change. Whereas more conservative companies where I would argue there may be a bigger problem don't mm-hmm. seem to be having this internal strife. So it's starting. I mean, I know a lot of people at Pinterest. I know you do. I wouldn't describe it. I would describe Pinterest. I know that they need to make progress. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a lot of issues there, but I wouldn't describe, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm trying to think of a very conservative organization. It's not in and out Burger or Chick-fil-A. It's not a conservative organization that is, it's yeah, not the it's old the, South of Pinterest. Yeah, but I would, I would argue that it doesn't have to be like that because what they do is they constantly pat themselves on the back from for their for their yep. like openness and everything else, and then they don't do anything. So, yep. in lots of ways, it's what's the difference? And I think a lot of uh, people of color and women who work there, uh, you know, or any mm-hmm. what you would consider a marginalized community, which really aren't marginalized, uh, are made to be gaslit. I've, I've heard so many stories there, you know, and we had covered the Ellen Powell thing. It's the same story over and over Describe again. Describe what which you is, mean that by that made well, to be gaslit. What's not, an example that, of that? Uh, oh, it's so nice here. Oh, you're complaining something must be wrong with you. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and I yep. think a lot yep. of people I talk to, we're better you know, than most. Shut up. 
yeah, yeah. Slack, others. There was, there was, there's so many people I talk to who then either speak up or just leave is that they'll get people in there mm-hmm. and then they don't do the mentoring and the training necessary to keep them or the way the system is. It doesn't hold people there. And so it's just, it's, it's sort of more insidious because you, 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 you are made to feel that it's yeah. your fault when it's not. And I, so I, I don't recommend either methodology, you know, very overt racism that occurs all over the place continually um, Mm -hmm. and this. And so I think that they're always surprised and and then they turn towards unconscious bias and then the numbers are the same. And you're like, this is happening for a reason. And it's not because you're better, you pack of white men. It's not because you're better. Like that's like, I think Mm -hmm. in the back of their heads, they think that's why they're 70. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I, they just are constantly sort of in this move into a fascinating, like just like the Mark Zuckerberg video last week with his wife. It was they suddenly became aggrieved, right? When they're, when they have their hands mm-hmm. on, on, on the, on the reins of power. And you're like, you're aggrieved. You don't get to be aggrieved. You cause this. And so right. um, that's a rant, but it's just, they just, they move into victimhood really quickly. Uh, but very important that these things happen. I, I just, I, I can't believe they're still there. The same thing with the Redskins. There's all kinds of things, the Washington Redskins. Just but stop. But if you were advising Pinterest, what would you advise them to do? You know Ben Silberman. What uh, would you advise I them do. to do? Um, I have talked to him about this a dozen times. I mean, I just, I had heard lots of these mm-hmm. kind of, not especially from women there, Um I just, I think they're just, I, I I don't know. And he is happens to be a particularly earnest character compared to a lot of them. And is not mm-hmm. someone who resists a lot. And like, he will listen just like Brian Chesky is similar. Uh, maybe they're just, you know, uh, just ignoring me and thinking of their grocery list in their heads when I talk to them about stuff like this. But they seem more cooperative or open to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're trying this and that. It's a problem. It's slow. The pipeline, like, the, I don't know. I just would like to, I, we will fix it. And by next year, we'll have a better number. And here's how we're going to do it would be a welcome response. It's often, it's very So complex. tangible change around number. Yeah. Tangible commitments to the number of non-whites on the board, senior management roles. Right. We'll add, they seem to want to add one person of color to the board. And I'm like, why didn't you do it before? Why don't you mm-hmm. examine? It's literally like the same thing that, well, yeah, that but you got to start sometime. with Mark I mean, you can always say, why didn't you do it the before, The Myanmar right? stuff. I was like, don't you want to know how it happened mm-hmm. rather than to, like, they don't have any interest in understanding how it got, how they got that many board members of the same kind. Again, it's not overt that you can say, you're just a racist. It's it's not like that. It's so you get lost in this. It's like fighting a pillow. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's really hard to, and somehow you become a pain in the ass, in, or you're mean. I'm always known as mean, and I don't think I'm particularly mean, but maybe I am. Anyway, um, but let's get to a big story. Another big story. Uh, there's so much, there's so many, it's a roiling news, news situation out there, just so you know. Um, Department of Justice sent out a 25-page recommendation to lawmakers on rolling back Section 230. As a reminder to our listeners, which we talked about last week, Mike Masnick was fantastic. Uh, Section 230 is a law that protects platforms from legal accountability for the content that appears across their properties. In a recommendation released on Wednesday, the DOJ asked lawmakers to repeal parts of the law that gave has given sites immunity from lawsuits for speech posted on their platforms. So, for example, if the recommendation is taken up by Congress, users could sue companies in cases that involve child sexual abuse, terrorism, and cyberstalking. This move comes after President Trump 
announced an executive order to roll back some of the uh, protections afforded these companies under Section 230. So, again, Bill Barr, the water carrier of all time, uh, I think that's what it is. What do you think, Scott? Well, I think it's I think it's more reason why um, there should be so much more energy uh, focused on getting young people to vote. Because if this administration has demonstrated anything, it's that our elected officials have more power than our institutions, which are supposed to slow down our elected officials when they start trying to overrun standard. Norm. This is supposed to be the domain of the FCC and people much smarter than uh, these individuals who don't have the domain expertise or a lifetime in communications or law. And if you see what's going on, you would I, th- I think it all directs kind of reverse engineers back to this thing, and that is voting has incredible power because our elected officials are now deciding to become the FCC, like these bad mm-hmm. versions of the FCC. These guys, I would like yep. to see Donald Trump explain what 230 is. Our guest, what was the <laughs> individual's name, Mike? Mike okay, Masnick. Mike, I, I, thought I, knew what two, I thought I knew what 230 was till I spoke to Mike, and I realized I don't really understand 230. So the notion, all they see it as, they want to employ their political machinery of, of intimidation and delay and obfuscation and saying, basically saying to media companies, if you don't sign up and become part of, you know, don't be, if you don't become state, state media, I'm going to use all of these institutions to try and punish you, that I can do that. And it's just, what, Bill Barr and Donald Trump have no business talking about 230. This isn't even a Department of Justice issue. It's an FCC issue. So I don't, it all reverse engineers back to, okay, what do we do about it? We vote. Because I hope a lot of the rage and upset out there gets translated at the um, voter booth this November because our elected officials, our democracy is actually working too well. The demo and democracy is the problem. Yeah. And that is elected officials can overrun our institutions that have stood there for decades or even centuries. Well, yeah, they just haven't. It's really interesting. They really haven't done it as much as you would think they could. And I think one of the things is that they, you know, in this case, as as, as what, I, what I've been saying is I'm glad, I guess, Facebook and the others have lobbyists to stop this kind of thing. But then it prevents real legislation from happening. So the reason why I find this so ham-handed by Bill Barr and others is because it doesn't, it, it, it negates the ability to, to create real legislation because it's sort of uh, dirtying up the pond here so that internet companies can point to this kind of behavior and then not really be liable for the things they deserve to be liable for. So you can't do intelligent legislation in a slow process that, you know, as much as people complain about Washington and and laws and states, slow process always ends up with can end up with better legislation, not always, of course, but this this sort of by fiat stuff that Trump is pulling. And again, it's the last desperate grabs of this guy who seems every day to do something crazier. Okay, Kara, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Hey.com, the email startup that's having issues with Apple, the Monopoly Apple, Apple Monopoly, a Monopoly, Aopoly. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. 
Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Scott, we're back. Let's talk about Basecamp's new email service, Hey.com. They're claiming Apple is abusing their power against them in the App Store. Hey.com is a new email service that helps sort through email clutter. It is an ambitious attempt to dethrone Gmail and other big email providers. It was launched earlier this week. Uh, I had it's uh, the CEO of Basecamp on the show uh, on the Rico Deco talking about it. Um, but Apple has threatened to remove them from the App Store if the company does not start offering in-app subscriptions and cutting uh, and sharing a cut of the services revenue. Uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen is the CTO of Basecamp. He went crazy on Twitter uh, calling Apple gangsters, mafiosos, and things like that. I'm writing a column this week for the Times about it. Um, he claims Apple is rejecting a bug fix update and that Apple has asked the company in a phone call to commit adding an in-app subscription to prevent it from being removed, which is one of their rules, one of their guidelines. Uh, meanwhile, the European Union uh, has opened antitrust investigations against Apple's App Store and Apple Pay practices. Uh, this is, I think, a big deal, uh, and especially uh, because it, it it puts attention on a company that doesn't get as much attention for bullying. Um, but in this case, you know, Apple's saying these are our rules, and you know it. And in the case of someone like Basecamp, which is very typical of a lot of developers, they're finally speaking up, saying we don't like your rules and the way you uh, administer them and the exceptions you make. So, what, you know, you were talking about this, and even Facebook is fighting with Apple over bringing a gaming um, a gaming app to the store, and that's a that's a different story. But what do you what do you think uh, will happen here, Scott? This is not a good look for Apple, I think. Yeah, Apple's largely managed to stay out of the. Uh stay out of the fray. And that is, it's not obvious how you would break them up. Tim Cook has been very elegant in his privacy as a basic human right. He's more likable. They're not seen as, because they're not in the business of data and they get most of their margin or most of their dollars from margin on tech products as opposed to as opposed to uh, violating your privacy with data. They've largely stayed out of the fray and have, have done a really good job starching their hat wide, but there's just no getting around it. The App Store is a monopoly. If you look at just a streaming well, it's a duopoly. video, it's, it's, uh, and Google it's, it's and that it's it's two tollbooths essentially. Yeah, that's Apple, it. Yeah. If you, but if you look at the amount of revenue, if yeah. you look at where it's going, I agree it's a duopoly. But but Apple's the lead dog. Even let's look at the streaming video platforms. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between three and fifteen percent of the total revenue that goes to these guys doesn't go to them. It goes to Apple. Because yeah. all of their apps have to be downloaded through Apple. And Apple makes it very hard to do. Apple owns the rails. And it's a perfect example of a company that's become a utility and needs to be regulated around apps. So it's not antitrust, it's regulation. But the app store should absolutely be subject to the kind of scrutiny. How does Spotify ever compete with their superior product, Apple Music, when they have to pay a 30% tax to Apple? You can't... You can't compete against a product that Apple then launches and has a 30% price advantage because they own the rails and you have to pay a 30% tax to get to the end consumer. So 
good for them. They built an ecosystem, but it should absolutely be regulated. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's interesting. Let me just read something from Walt Mossberg, actually, my old partner, um, that, that he just tweeted. Walt. Walt, I'm not weighing in on a growing controversy about the complex rules applied to developers in Apple's App Store just based on what I've read. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple is forced to change some of them, but I want to make three points that people seem to forget. First, in free markets, any merchant is free to receive a fee or share of a price of the goods it distributes to consumers. This is not a tax. You're free to think 30% is too much to sell your app on the phone with about 10% global share, but it's not a tax. Second, there's a history to this. Before the App Store, carriers controlled which apps could make it onto phones and often took most of the revenue, 50, 70% and more. I was there when Steve Jobs announced that Apple would only take 30% from a room and a room full of developers cheered. Third, even if some of the rules are judged illegal or unfair, I personally value Apple's tight control of third-party distribution as a guard against most malware and a protection of privacy. I favor curation. So Apple, you know, and then others like John Gruber were like, this this is ridiculous. Apple's excuses for around, hey, for example, whether it's a consumer app versus a business app, is specious. So it's a really it's going to be a really interesting debate and you're right. Things are going to change. There's going to be some kind of regulation here and I think Apple should probably step forward and get ahead of it uh, themselves as you often say. Well, there's there's often I think Walt's points are good. There are benefits to scale. Some of the things you talked about and that is having uniform standards around malware or bad players. There are benefits to scale. Sometimes it makes sense to have a monopoly or duopoly in a given market or in a given business. And when it does make sense, you regulate their pricing. Yeah. And so this is this might be a perfect example of a company where there's benefits of scale to having one or two places where you get apps, but they should absolutely, in terms of their pricing and their, I mean, if Spotify is growing, is not growing as fast as Apple Music, it means there's trouble in Mudville. Mm-hmm. And it's very simple. If they have, if they have to start thirty percent down in terms of their ability, yeah, that's their point. To reinvest yep. capital in marketing or or the, or the product, then Apple Music with an inferior product is gonna is gonna win. And they don't want to be forced to sign up subscribers via the app because of this. This it's not. I think it moves from fifteen to thirty percent depending on the year and different things like that. But it's still onerous. I mean, even you know, one of the people from Hey.com, uh, the founders, was pointing out that check credit card companies only charge one point eight, and they find that onerous, right? Percent. And so this is a you know mm-hmm. they can't make this a business. They've spent millions on creating it, and they can't compete. Um, and one of the quotes he said, besides calling them gangsters and mafiosos, was you know we thought we were fighting the Gmail monopoly, but really we're fighting these heavies too. And so I think you'll find the column interesting, but it's a, it's a really, it's, it's, you know, and Apple has its argument to make about, you know, keeping standards mm-hmm. and people knew the rules and this and that, but I don't think they can deny they're the, there's only two toll booths on the, on, in the mobile world and they belong to Apple and Google. So it's, it's something they're going to have to face hundred percent. Um, so Scott, you do think they're going to change. Apple is going to change and, 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 you think they'll be forced upon them or what? what? What would you imagine if you were sitting next to Tim Cook? What would you advise him? So ground zero for this type of regulation is the App Store or store specifically Apple and Android. There are benefits to scale, as Walt pointed out. There are benefits to, you know, they have earned their place in the world. But when you get to a point where, you know, it makes sense for Florida Power and Light to be the primary provider of uh, electricity generation and distribution. But when you get to a point where you either turn on your lights or or you don't, uh, which means being a customer of, of FPL, it requires regulation such that you don't have useless pricing and anti-competitive dynamics, both of which we have here with the App Store. So this this absolutely should be subject to really thoughtful 
non-bar, non-Trump scrutiny around regulation. So the other three guys, you know, I think the solution is antitrust and breaking them up. Apple, you can't break up because who would have domain over their key right, asset, make, which is the brand, but it right, is gra- also to ground make zero the for regulations, the app store. And to make the, uh, to have, to have stand, I mean, look, Google's one big Wild West yeah. situation. And one of, one of the other questions I have for you is, okay, if they do this, it's it's become a substantive amount of their revenue, the service the service revenues. Dude. It was $519 billion in overall sales, of which Apple gets a part of that. Um, so they've also created a very lucrative platform for for developers and at the same time developers feel like they're taking too much of the of the toll. So to me I think there's no good toll booth in the end but does there have to be? So what do you what do you do when it's that much money for everybody including Apple? Well, it just might uh, Apple might it may lose some revenue here or they may not I mean a couple things might happen. One, they might be prohibited from entering certain businesses where owning the rails gives them such an unfair advantage. You know, no one initially thought Apple would be in streaming music. Yeah. yeah. But when they enter streaming music and they can place a 30% tax on the market leader and they start gaining share again with a with a with an inferior product, it shows it demonstrates it demonstrates the problem. So I don't, you know, it's great to be a monopoly, but the fact that you are garnering an unfair share of revenues because of your monopoly abuse doesn't mean that you're entitled to hold on to that revenue. So there, yeah, it might hit them hard. I think the biggest thing that dictates Apple stock price right now is the percentage of the revenue they get from recurring revenue. That mm-hmm. kind of the revenue is EBITDA, but the multiple on EBITDA is the percentage they're getting from recurring revenue, which is now up to twenty three percent. And we've seen yeah. the recasting of their stock where it's gone from a PE of twelve to twenty four. So I actually think that's more important. But yeah, the app stores should absolutely be looked at, and in my opinion, probably be regulated. Yeah, I think they're not going to outrun this, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it. And I think when when developers like Basecamp, and which is a very popular pair of entrepreneurs, start to speak up, you're going to get a flood of these things. It's not going to just be one or two. And of course, there's an antitrust hearing coming up uh, in the House, uh, and that that and the the CTO of Basecamp did uh, talk about this last time he was there. He not just talked about Apple, but he talked about Google and Facebook. And his last line, which I, I quote in the column, is, uh, help us, Congress. We 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 have no hope. It felt like very Star Warsian. Um anyway, it'll be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see what Apple does because but don't you want I, to describe but just as but just as an example, don't you want <laughs> I was really interested as I thought about it to try, hey, I thought, wow, email really yeah, hasn't that's great. I am using I don't it. know yeah. what I don't know. Yeah. yeah oh, you use great. it. Yeah. I and use, what do you yeah. think of it? Uh, I think it's great. I, I'm still working with it. It's got some bugs. Actually, they couldn't fix some bugs, that, like photos on uh, loading up and stuff like that. I think it's. I think email. You know, Brian Chan did an excellent review in the New York Times about this. It's got a lot of issues, but at the same time, the idea of trying to fix email. He thinks you can't fix email. Eventually, it's impossible. It's a it's a war that you can never win, mm-hmm. um, and that people have moved on to other messaging platforms. I. I am always searching for hmm. that that silver bullet to kill email in a way that is not. I hate email, mm-hmm. as you know, but I am going to try it. I think it's very innovative, and I like any. You know, there's been lots of email apps, but you know, Google continues to control and dominate, and and honestly spy on you during it. I don't want to use G, all the Gmail's uh, iterations, and hmm. I'd like there to be a more vibrant uh, ability for others to do it. I don't know if email's the hill I would die on necessarily because I do think I'd like to get rid of email completely, uh, but uh, it mm-hmm. it's just sits there. Read the Brian Chen inter- uh, review. I thought it was quite fair, and I think so did oh, Basecamp. Wow. Uh, but you should try it. It's it's fun. And there's a thing called Inbox, I-M-B-O-X, instead of Inbox. 
Inbox. Anyway, I like it. You should try it. It's That's fun. That's a big innovation, inbox? Well, no, 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 no. There's a lot of little <laughs> innovations, like like pinning certain things, putting putting a file where your, your yep. bills go, uh, saving things for later. It's just instead of having to star them and all these. There's no innovation in email by Apple or Google or anybody, and it's nice to see innovation. So I... I I think that's great. So anyway, um, anyway, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Okay, Scott, we've been making predictions about the next class of IPOs. It's been a strong one. We saw the stock market mm-hmm. make some big gains this week. Either was a story in the journal about mm-hmm. this, the tech you 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 sent me. Uh, what can we expect in the coming weeks? It looks like uh, the market, as, as Susie Orman said, the market is not the economy. The economy is not the market, but the market rolls on. Well, I'm, I, this is an observation and a prediction. I think there's this incredible phenomena of uh, the young male brain is especially uh, – risk aggressive and gets a lot mm-hmm. of reward from taking risks. And sure. one of the ways that manifests itself is in gambling. And gambling addiction is actually, uh, I believe, the addiction that has the highest suicide rate because you can get into a lot of trouble without people knowing. There can be no external signals that you're in trouble. If you're a raging alcoholic, the people around you know it and will hopefully intervene. But you can lose everything with a gambling addiction before anyone even notices it. And so anyways, that goes to my prediction, just as I think we're going to find out over time that Instagram has been uh, the direct cause and also the concerted effort of the folks at Instagram to make it addictive uh, has resulted in a lot of uh, the the, uh, skyrocketing levels of self-harm and suicide among teen girls. I think we have the same unfortunate uh, forces at play here with... um, online trading. And uh, I'm hoping that the CEO of Robinhood really took pause. There was a young man, a 20-year-old, this kid named Alex Kearns committed suicide, this 20-year-old in Naperville. And they found on his phone, Mm -hmm. the last thing on his phone was it said he was, it registered that he was down 700 grand in his trading app, his Robinhood app. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing just a ton of young men uh, trading and then these these apps, you know, there's zero commission, encourage margin, encourage leverage. Mm-hmm. And then these 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 kids basically feel like there's no way out. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I my prediction is I think these uh, online trading apps are going to be kind of the new. It's interesting, the, Scott. This is this yeah. is something that means well, a lot. If you have to sons, you. you think like Jesus yeah. Christ. Would yeah. you? The, the parents had no idea. The parents right. had no idea. Yeah. And yeah. it feels if it has echoes, it has echoes of of Instagram and the impact it's having on our uh, uh, on our girls and our young women. And I yeah. wonder if there's the same very unhealthy, very unhealthy uh, addictive like qualities well, that these companies try and build into their apps. Well, hundred percent. That you is going to result in the type I'm of curious, damage. I'm curious because you were around for the last online trading boom when people were losing money and when E-Trade and all the yeah. others, Ameritrade, and everyone was at home being their own. And, and people got in a lot of trouble um, doing it for the first time when they didn't remove yep. you know, a lot of the things. Now, on one hand, it's great that you don't need to pay broker's fees and this and that and be you know sort of these yep. ta- – speaking of taxes. How, do you, how does that compare from your perspective? Is it, is it different because it's a mobile app? It feels even more like gambling? Because that was, I recall – Oh, go uh, on. Robinhood, they have confetti. Yeah. They have confetti. They've gamified it. Gamified it. They've clearly taken 
notes from gambling in terms of uh, random rewards, uh, uh, a series of unexpected and random uh, opportunities, visuals, colorization, gamification, also offer, offering leverage and things like pulled put option techniques mm -hmm. to young people who have no background in investing. Yeah. It's there is something very ugly going had, on here. You had thought about investing in this, or do you? How do you feel as an investor? You know, we we had this discussion about Jewel. We we had this discussion about Jewel. The same thing. Yeah. The whole idea. I'm thinking about investing in one of these uh, companies, a company called Public. And the thing I like about Public is that it is not letting um, it is it is it is not letting kids trade on on uh, leverage. It's not it's not allowing certain types of options. It's trying to. It's trying to foot to, and let me be clear, there's some wonderful things about these apps to get young people mm -hmm. interested in investing at a young age, to give them the opportunity to invest at a young age, to get them yeah. the ability to buy micro shares is an interesting thing. I think zero commissions is an interesting thing. So there's a lot of good that can come from this, just as there's a lot of good that can come from social media. The problem is, in order to scale and make money, you you start going after the addictive side of the brain, you and you give them the opportunities to get into trouble and there's no, um, I worry that the algorithms move the brain to a very ugly place where people feel they have no way out. Same difference um, as, as evidenced media. by this young man's suicide. Yeah. So you would, it's you would be very imagine interesting. Online regulation trading is becoming coming. the new Instagram. Yeah. So regulation. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's, or lawsuits. Get, you, they don't you'll have you'll the get... same protection as the media companies. They don't, they don't have 230. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll be. What do you think's going to happen? Know, I think there were lawsuits last time. I'm so long ago when this was happening, and it was a phenomenon. Yeah. I think there will be. I think just like with Jewel, you know, I remember meeting the Jewel people very early, and they're like all up and to the right, and I was like, it's still cigarettes. I just don't see how you're going to avoid cigarette issues in the way you advertise to young people. And the same thing here. I think once they start sort of preying on especially young people and they'll have those statistics and demographics with all kinds of gamification of this, you'll have, this is perfect for regulators. It feels predatory. It feels something that's, so this is, this is like, you can see a, a state's attorney general going after this kind of stuff really quickly. Uh, it reminds me of the same the same, like if we can take advantage of people, we will. And I agree with you. There's some great parts of kids learning how to how to invest, but it is, you know, what Susie was talking about last week. So I think this is a great prediction. So I think this is a great thing to talk about. But IPOs in general, do you have any? Like they're coming, right? The big ones are coming. You see no stoppage. Yeah, the one I, the one, I, the one I'm trying to get in on. I was, I don't like to give investment advice anymore. I just talk about what I'm trying to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm voting, trying to vote with my feet. I'll likely be investing in the IPO of Lemonade, uh, only because, not only because, a, I think the CEO, they're smart. I heard his interview with you. Uh, he strikes me as a very, very thoughtful, bright guy. Also, I think uh, shareholder value uh, creation is not only a function of the execution and the quality of the management team, but also the size of the opportunity for disruption. And when I think about one of the few industries that really has tens of billions of dollars of margin they don't deserve, I zero in on insurance. And uh, so I think the, I think, I think, and I'm hoping, assuming I can get, I can get stock at a reasonable rate. I think the IPO of Lemonade might be the best performing stock of the quarter, or or it's registered the biggest pop. I guess it's dependent okay. upon how they price it. But right, Lemonade, we'll a disruptor in the highly disruptible business of insurance, could and be a just guy. a monster. Smart guy. Insurance. I, is I, I really enjoy. Think about how much yeah. money they're spending on TV. I agree. Agreed. 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 And insurance is. Such Do you have a any broken. predictions, Kara? 
No, I don't. I never do. I let you have them. And then you go out on the limb and then sometimes it gets sawed off and sometimes it doesn't. So I like to just watch as you do that, as you perform <laughs> your high wire uh, act, Scott. I don't like, I don't like, like when I see uh, t- tweets, like you got this wrong. You got I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. All yeah, I do the, know the key isn't, is the key that, isn't, what, the key isn't what? Tell yes. me, give me a tip on predictions. The key isn't to be right. It's to catalyze a conversation. Right. Uh, fair. Okay. I'll catalyze a conversation. People of Silicon Valley, as I've said a million times, you have to stop doing these band-aid approaches to things like racism and diversity and actually do some actual actions to get to the root of the problem. You, you have to do this. It's, it's, a, it's a, not just a moral imperative, it's a business imperative. And the more you don't do it, the more I find you to be just like every other shitty capitalist that exists. So if you want to rise high, try harder. That's what I say. Thank you. All right, there you go. How's that? How's that? Or is that just a lecture? Uh, was that, wait, predictions or, or indignant <laughs> self-righteous rants? Wh- yes, which that's part what of the show was. are we in right you now? You know what? I'm right, though. I'm on okay. the right side of okay. history, and you know you don't have to you listen know, to me. You know, but I'm right. No, but, but here's the thing. I'm right. You the next, the new book from Kara Swisher, but I'm right. <laughs> I have a book. I'm writing a book. You're going to be in it, and it's going to be a tell-all about your FOMER and other I issues. I can't we wait. Have. There's not, unfortunately, there's not be, a lot of be, all to tell here, be, but anyway. There'll be new headlines about Scott Galloway, and not just that he's the king of all oh media. God. Oh, my God. Here I literally wanted to. I literally. I'm the whore of all media. It's not that my media's that good. It's just I say yes to everything. Why didn't it say the whore of all media? I say yes to everything. Why did not it say the whore of all media? It should have said the whore of all media. Literally, all the men have man crushes on you. It's a tongue bath, like, continually. It's fascinating. I'm just saying it's fascinating. Anyway, there's not going to be a back a backlash against you, Scott. Uh, not yet, at least. Anyway, um, yeah, do you have any plans I'll for the see. weekend? We got to go. We got to go. Do you have any plans for the weekend? Florida's having the COVID situation. I'm trying to get my mother out of there before yeah, more she wanders more her way into record COVID. Record number of infections in Florida. Yeah. Uh, no, we're sheltering in place and, mm-hmm. you know, time with my boys and yeah. all that good stuff. How about are you, you? Are you not putting the kids out to the lawn anymore? You finally figured out a way to get along together. Uh, we, uh, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're having a great time. We've been watching actually uh, The Wonder Years and we've been oh, watching. Wow. Oh, I love that. Fred Savage. Oh, it's wonderful. And wonderful. the way I bond with my 12 year old is everyone goes to sleep and then he sneaks downstairs and we watch killing eve together so inappropriate which one do you watch so what? inappropriate what what do you watch killing eve oh don't do killing that. eve what is wrong with you oh yeah he loves it he loves it i am going to do a, an intervention with the florida uh, government and soon very soon so don't yeah. just answer the what are you doing this door. weekend kara I'm in Vermont. It's lovely here. It's lovely here. And I will be bicycling and uh, dealing with, I don't, the only thing I love it here is quite beautiful, but the the bugs, I don't like bugs and I like to work. I don't, I'm not a vacationer, Scott. I'm just not, I'm just not. I like to work. I like the big city, yeah. and, but I, it's beautiful here. It's a, uh, Amanda's parents have a beautiful house and, uh, and it's, it's lovely. It's lovely naturey and very pretty. So I think there will be maple syrup in my future at some point here. Anyway, don't forget, if there's a story in the news and you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, please read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananas. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Mm-hmm.